This scripture is from the Gospel of Matthew, the 10th chapter, begins with the 24th verse. If you remember, this is part of what is called the missionary discourse. Jesus is sending out his 12 disciples to heal and to preach and to teach and to be with people. And he knows that this is a dangerous journey because as you will hear, they will treat his followers, his disciples, those who come after him like him. And he has not been treated so well and we know the path that he is walking. We know where he is going, that he is going to the cross. So listen now to these words. Jesus said this, a disciple is not above the teacher nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of the household? So have no fear of them. For nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are counted. So do not be afraid. You are more value than many sparrows. Everyone therefore who acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Here ends the reading. Before I move into the message proper, I wanted to take a moment of personal and pastoral privilege. 19 Father's Days ago, I stood in a pulpit that used to sit right back there. And it was my first Sunday at Westminster, 19 Father's Days ago. And the first announcement that I made was that we were pregnant with this over six foot tall, now 17 year old Adam. Five foot 10, you're not five foot 10. Anyway, I, the, the gallery is uh, commenting if, you, if you're not hearing this. And if you would have asked me then, where would I be in almost 20 years, in, in 19 Father's Days, I probably wouldn't have been able to tell you, but I would have guessed that I would not still be at Westminster Presbyterian Church, just because that's the nature of things. Things change and congregations need to move on and pastors need to move on. And as I've reflected on this year 
but on the past 19 Father's Days and those years in between, I am humbled, I'm grateful for what God has created among us. It takes a long-term growing congregation, and I don't mean growing necessarily in numbers, but growing in spirit and in truth and in knowledge and in wisdom and in mission to help foster and to encourage what I hope I am, which is a long-term growing human being, but long-term growing pastor. And many of the individual years and times that we have had together have been important. And this year, I think, is one will be, as we look back, one of the most important for our country, for our world, and for this congregation. And I'm so grateful for the leaders, all of those elders who have been on session during this time, for all of you who've given of your heart and your soul to help this community become what it is in God's name. And so in this moment of pastoral and personal privilege, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to God and thank you to you for all of these years and for however many more that God calls us together to be in mission, to be in community, to love one another, to love our neighbor, and to love God. Thank you for this moment. I want to read to you now the first part of Psalm 69, and I encourage you, if you have your, if you have your Bible there or, or if you have another way of getting to the Scripture, to go to Psalm 69. And I want you to just take a nice deep breath and really listen to these words. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I've come in in deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Many are those who would destroy me my enemies who accuse me falsely. What I did not steal, must I now restore? Oh God, you know my folly, the wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Do not let those who hope in you be put to shame because of me. O God of hosts, do not let those who seek you be dishonored because of me, O God of Israel. I read those words because they give context to the words that follow. And as I read those words this week, I sought to put myself in other people's shoes. For there may have been times when I have lamented, because this really is a lament, calling out in anguish to God, save me, where are you? Come to me, I'm waiting on you. I know many of you, many of us have called out to God in the midst of pain and anguish and turmoil when things just didn't feel like they were going to turn out right for us. And as I read this with some new eyes, 
and tried to put myself in the place of people who don't look like me, I wondered how much this psalm would resonate with their lives. Generations of people who have called out and lament and anguish to God, wondering when freedom would come, wondering when equality would come, wondering when God would deliver them from things that they cannot control, from systems and policies that continue to hurt individuals. It just opened me up to beginning to think about the pain that we all feel at different times. For I know, I know that all of us, all of us are feeling like there's a dark night, N-I-G-H-T, surrounding us with protests and violence and monuments being destroyed. I know that there are many of us who are wondering, what, what is God doing with this? What in the world is happening in the world? What is going to happen coming out of this? I know that for many of us, we're wondering what we're going to lose as things change. Other people are hoping that they may gain some things as things change. But there is this great anxiety and angst about the entire project of America and the entire project of what we have built our lives on. And I think that's something that we are sharing with nearly everyone. Because we know from history that this kind of turbulence, this kind of social unrest, this kind of almost call for revolution, it can go a couple of different ways. And our minds, of course, because we often live in fear, we often live in fear for our livelihoods, for our lives, for our bodies, for our children's bodies, for all of these things, we get consumed with the fear And we have a very hard time looking for what God might be bringing about in the midst of this. And so, as Jesus sends out these disciples to go into the villages and the places, he he sends them out initially just to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But as he sends them, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. A disciple's not above the teacher. They've called me the devil. They will call you the same. There will be people who will not welcome you. But then he says this, but have no fear of them for nothing that is covered up will not be uncovered and nothing secret that will not become known. I think that as my friend, Dr. John Bibbs said, in a conversation that we were having that the truth behind the ideals of America are being revealed. What has been in the dark is being shown in the light. And what he also said was all truth is God's truth. And so if this is the truth, God is revealing it to us for a purpose. Have no fear of them for nothing that is covered up 
will not be uncovered and nothing secret that will not become known. I pray that we are seeing these things that are being uncovered and not living in such fear of this truth that it stops us from considering what God might be doing. That in the dark night that there is this daylight that is beginning to be shown on the things that have been in the dark and we need to see them. As uncomfortable as they are for me and for you and for all of us, we need to see them. God is showing them to us Sometimes the the times of greatest growth in our lives is when God gives us a little comeuppance. When God shows us and puts a mirror in front of our face and shows us the folly of our lives, the depth of our sin. And growth comes from that. When we don't live in the fear of it, But when we live in the fear and the awe of what God can do with that, how God can take us as broken and sinful people and can create something new every single time. God uses the broken and the sinful in order to create something beautiful and to bring it into existence It is through God's power that these things are being revealed and it is only in God's power that things will be moved and changed, perhaps to resemble more like we believe God's kingdom will be like. And what I say to you in the dark, Jesus says, what I say to you in the dark, this new message, this gospel, tell it in the light. Bring it out in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body. Do not fear them because they cannot kill the soul. In Jesus, our lives have been secured as we follow him. We have nothing anymore to fear. Everything can be taken away from us in this life. But nothing can keep us, no power, no principality, no empire, no government, nothing can keep us from the love of God and Jesus Christ. And when we hold on to that, we lose our fear. We cannot be manipulated anymore into thinking certain things like that there are people in this world who aren't worth what we're worth, that there are people who cannot be educated, that there are those who are just simply deficient and should be looked down upon. When we come to know the light of God's truth, which is that each and every human being has been created in God's image and that each and every human is worthy of being given dignity and opportunity And that we all have a share in making that happen. That God has called us to partner with God into bringing some of these things about in our world. And that that journey will never end. That we will be working toward the kingdom our entire lives because sin is powerful. As A person on one of the video for our American Gospel class said, we love sin, but the thing that is needed to overcome sin is a greater love, a greater love. 
a love that knows no boundaries or skin color, that embraces all of that diversity, not to shunt it away, to say it doesn't exist, but to say we are all in this together, even as we each have different experiences of what's happening, we are each called in our own way to work for the light of truth because there are dark nights and there will be many more, but there is daylight. And it comes in the form of Jesus the Christ. Jesus acknowledges in this passage that his gospel can be divisive, that his word can challenge people right where they are, that it sometimes will divide families, that allegiance to Christ comes first, allegiance to other things comes second, and that is a hard word for us to hear, I know. That does not mean we need to seek division or that we need to seek to pull apart our families or to write off people who don't believe in us or agree with us. We should always be working for reconciliation Peacemakers are on the street, as the song says. We need to be those peacemakers. Not to create quiet, but to create true peace, which means wholeness and life and wonder and joy for all people. We are called now, brothers and sisters, siblings in Christ, to take up our cross and to follow him to take up our cross because that's where this leads. The cross was first and foremost a big no to the powers and the principalities of our time, to the things that kept people oppressed and downtrodden. The cross was a big no to that and a big yes to a new way of living, a new way of life. And so for some of us, as we embrace the cross, it may feel like we're losing our life but we are gaining a life of which we probably don't really understand. A life following Christ, learning from him, proclaiming his message, living his message in our lives that creates a ripple effect of love, of hope, of grace, of justice and righteousness for all people. And that is the good news for today, my friends. There are dark nights, but there is daylight. Amen.